Hey everybody, this is Al Nash from the Direction You Empowerment Dynasty and you're listening to the Unapologetic Women podcast, the show for female leaders who love to live their legacies unleashed, unlimited and unafraid. If this is a community you would like to be a part of, visit directionu.co forward slash unapologetic. Today we're talking about motherhood and intentionality with Monique Russell. Monique is a global communication skills expert dedicated to teaching women leaders and teams how to increase their visibility for more opportunity with public speaking and emotional intelligence. She's an author, podcast host, mother, wife, and all-around wonderful human being. Organizations like the CDC, Google, Amazon, and the world's busiest airport Hartsfield-Jackson International trust Monique to help them foster courageous and connection at home and work. You can too. She runs a global international communications firm called Clear Communication Solutions, LLC. Thanks so much for joining us. This is Monique Russell. Intentional motherhood. He said it would be easy. (laughs) they lied (laughs) okay so let's get started Mm. it it took me a while to get up the courage to reach out to you to go would you be on my podcast and come play with me um because I admire you so greatly Monique I have so much respect for you you always show up with grace confidence compassion power certainty professionalism I could go on and on and on um yeah do have a bit of a girl crush on you and I was when you said yes I was like oh my god Monique gets to come on my show so thank you for being here first of all and you have you have many powerful stories but let me ask you this first what does it mean for you to be an unapologetic woman Mm. well first I have to say thank you for all those kind words because I think the feeling is mutual um you know from the moment I saw you in the internet streets I was like who is this woman showing up like queen I am here okay (laughs) (laughs) I think that's how we really um, our energies um, connected uh, first, and so I'm just happy that we are here chatting it up. So, okay, unapologetic. Unapologetic for me means that I am not making foggy decisions. That's what it means. So I'm not making decisions out of fear, obligation, or guilt. And that means that I'm, I'm choosing, I'm choosing to show up in a way that I don't have to fake it. I don't have to pretend that I truly desire connection or friendship or love. I'm choosing to show up and keep my heart open and vulnerable, even though it may be susceptible to, you know, things that I don't want happening with my heart. And so unapologetic means that I'm not just going along to get along. I'm making decisions and those decisions are being done with intention. That 
is probably one of the most powerful definitions of unapologetic that we've had on the show. And I love the gumption, the gumption, the ballsiness of saying that it's about my decisions, because that brings such a sense of responsibility to the table. It's not about just showing up. It's about I decide first intentionally about what it is that I'm creating in life and then showing up unapologetically from that space. That is powerful. Thank you. What life does one have to live to come to that definition of being an unapologetic woman? Can you can you share <laughs> a little bit with us? Yes. I mean, you have to have had the experience of not being intentional. You've had to have the experience of making decisions out of fear and obligation and guilt. When I left the beautiful islands of the Bahamas, I I would say I was mis unapologetic. I was creative. I was misconfident. I could win any confidence contest if you put me anywhere in the world. That's how I felt. And I left when I was 17. My mom uh, didn't accompany me. She waved goodbye to me at the airport and I was off to a whole new country here in the United States on my own, by myself, ready to conquer the world. And I did. I did. And shortly after I had my first son, I was a teenage mom. And most people would think that, oh, things were just going to fall down and I'm going to crumble and be a statistic just because I had a kid. But I will tell you, Elle, those were some of the best years of my life. It wasn't until I finished school, got married, had my second child, didn't land my quote unquote dream job, faced one too many hurdles, confidence started shaking, that I found myself in a place where I was like, what? I mean, I was still achieving and accomplishing goals, but deep down inside there was this this feeling like, hmm, my confidence wasn't fully where it was when I left the island. And then I felt like, wow, I went to school for all this education. I spent all this money. I, I'm not in the career that I wanted to be in. Um, I really was trying to connect and fit in into different places and spaces. And finally, I said, you know, this isn't really what I want to be doing. I connected up with a women's organization called Watts, Women Aspiring Together to Succeed. That was the door for me to do vision boarding. I always wrote goals, wrote them down, wrote them down. But this group of women introduced me to setting goals visually with pictures and, you know, it was a whole bunch of other things going on in there. And most of them were, you know, my, my elders. And so I was learning from so much wisdom. And then I observed a lot when I was in the corporate space, helping executives and seeing, you know, who was gravitating to whom and, you know, how they finessed people on the front end. And I got to see things on the back end. And I realized that there were a lot of tools like coaching and counseling that they were using to maximize their performance. And right then and there, I didn't feel like, oh, okay, this is you know, my practicum and training, I had to go through a whole lot of, okay, I'm not where I want to be. I don't want to be in this space. Uh, this isn't what I went to school for. I don't feel like I'm using my creative uh, genius. I had to go through that. 
before I connected up with a friend who he sat me down and in one of our conversations, he said, you know, you have access to something that many people don't have access to. Like you get to actually see behind the scenes of how leaders in these fortune companies work. They trust you with their secrets and ideas. And, you know, you get to see them in the front facing and the back facing. It's like you're actually being paid to to learn. And so with that suggestion, that seed that he planted, I started to say, hmm, okay, um, well, they're executives. I'm executive too. Whatever they get, I'm going to get too. So I got my own coaches, I got my own counselors and I, and that journey opened me up It expanded my awareness. And I started down this path of wanting to learn more, learn more about myself, learn more about my family. I looked around at the women in my family and I saw a lot of women who settled, who chose to settle. I couldn't find really great examples of women that I felt were living fully expressed for whatever reason, some some of them through no fault of their own. And I learned more about my dad's side. My dad is from Nigeria and I met him at the age of eight. So to get to where I am today, it required me to go through sort of a self-discovery and it required me to learn so much more about my history and identify patterns. So patterns, on my um, mom's side patterns on my dad's side and kind of see how those patterns were influencing some of the decisions that I made or beliefs that I held and how they were showing up. But it took a long time for me to get to that point to be able to say, hey, no, I don't want to be walking around here feeling like I need to people please or tone it down and dial it up and be like this little puppet to fit in. No, I have a communications background. I did all the training and the studies. I need to put that into into practice and I need to put the coaching and the counseling into practice and still show up and be able to navigate those spaces, but in a way that felt authentic to me. So that's pretty much what I had to experience this, this self-discovery, which is, which is still ongoing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. We're not dead yet. So we're not done yet. I keep saying that to people and it's, it's about choosing unapologetic again and again and again, even as we grow through life and we do have the cycles of being on top of the world and feeling so confident in everything that we're doing. And then, going to the next level and feeling like an infant again and having to rediscover what got us there and what will get us to the next level of unapologetic as as women especially and and understanding one of the things that you said that really stood out for me is the seed was planted and yet the seed can be planted and gets planted so often and then people don't have the courage to water it and allow it to bloom and blossom and grow. What was it about that seed that made you go, oh, no, no, th- this one, this one gets to grow. This one gets to be nurtured. Yeah, because I think we get to a point where the desire, well, not we, but for me, 
the desire that I had for living more and to being more of who I am, that was greater than anything else that I wanted. So I just didn't want to be playing the shrinky. I was like, come on, I'm not a shrinky, shrinky person. I am a beautiful human, powerful human. Like Monique, what's going on? Like, no. So I think the the part of that seed nurturing and watering was the fact that I had a lot of other um, influences and seeds happening through the community that I was connected to, through the coaching and the counseling that I was experiencing. But because the desire within me was so strong, it was almost like the soil was very fertile. And when the seed was dropped into the soil, it was ready for germination. Yes. Desire always comes at the right time. And, and I always say to people, you have to trust the desire. Um, it doesn't make sense, logical sense. Desire never makes logical sense. Desire never, for me personally, is never a case of, oh, yeah, I'm going to create a five-year vision because I know what I'm going to desire in five years. My, my, my most potent life experience comes always at the most unexpected moments of just kind of going oh oh yeah what that like now I don't want to wait five years for it like in the moment that I see the desire I have a, a belief in the moment that I see the desire I'm ready to receive the desire I just need to find my way to being the person who who already has the desire it's never a five-year thing I, I don't think I have the patience for that, quite frankly. So why would my soul give me desires and say, in five years from now, this is when it's going to be like, no, bitch, desire <laughs> happens now <laughs> for a reason. And yes, it always takes me to, um, to do things that other people call crazy and saying yes to the, the insane, because I believe I'm possible. And when I believe I'm possible, the desire, of course, gets to have a hell yes to that. Um, and it's also about not not saying yes to that, like, yeah, it would be cool kind of things. It, it is, you know, uh, we read about um, the burning desire in Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. I think a lot of people have forgotten what burning desire feels like. And and saying yes to the burning desire, and then let let the fire, the passion for the desire, burn the boats, kind of thing. Mm. Motherhood has has clearly uh, played a huge role in this this journey of yours. Can we bring a little bit? Because there's a lot of mothers out there listening to the podcast today at various stages. Like my boys are all grown as now, twenty two and twenty, but I'm still a mother at heart and they're still part of my inspiration but there's a lot of mothers listening to this podcast can you maybe shed a bit of a light of how your journey of motherhood has impacted your journey as a woman as a as a woman itself as a businesswoman as a wife and how that little thread is still being woven into the tapestry today Ooh, heavy, heavy. Okay. So <laughs> listen, my journey of motherhood, how does it impact me 
today or how has it woven throughout, I will say what I want to accomplish for myself is greatly connected to me being a mother. And it's because I want to be a living demonstration and example for my children. Because when I went through my journey, I look back at my family members, I look back at history, I look back at decisions, I look back at patterns, and I want, wanted and have done and am doing disruption in some of the patterns that have been prevalent in my family structure. So the motherhood piece of who I am as a woman is extremely critical and important. And when I first got pregnant with my first son, um, you know, I, I remember, I remember that journey and I remember being filled with joy. I was not, you know, I wasn't a big rich person. I was, I was materially poor, but I was very wealthy because I was so excited to be accomplishing all the things that I wanted to accomplish while still being a mom. And my book, Intentional Motherhood, Who Said It Would Be Easy, it chronicles that whole piece because it's like sometimes, I think a lot of times as moms, we get into this space of letting the motherhood role take over the identity of who we are. And when that happens, it's because there's no intention. That's why I say intentional motherhood. We set an intention for our business, for our for our family, for vacation, for where the kids gonna go to school, what we gonna eat, what we gonna wear. But when it comes to motherhood, it's just like this reaction, this reactive stance, and then everything still goes on as normal, business as usual, but it's not business as usual. And so when you can't keep up, you feel like you're failing or you feel like, oh my God, everybody can do it but me. I have to choose one or the other. I can't do both. And with the intention, it's like stepping back and redefining what success as a woman, as a wife, as a mother, what does that mean for you? So everything that I do, and I never really actually brought my, my role of being a mom into my business branding or what I talked about. You know, my oldest son is 22. My youngest is 16, two boys. And it was only recently that I decided, because this book came out not even two years ago, that I decided I wanted to leave a legacy. I wanted my grandchildren, great-grandchildren, whomever, especially the women, to see a different viewpoint, a different thinking model of someone in their family of what they truly felt like, because I wish I could have had some of those conversations with my grandmother to figure out what did you truly feel like, did you truly feel that this is what you wanted? In some cases, they had to choose the role. They had to settle, you know, but we don't have to. We're living in different times. We're living in different um, opportunities. We can decide to be different in how we show up. And I really, really want mothers to be able to profit from their own wisdom because then it empowers us to choose better when we show up and to be unapologetic in relationship. We're not waiting for somebody to come and rescue and save. And, you know, I have to downplay who I am because I'm being taken care of and supported by somebody. 
I don't have to say, you know, okay, I, I have a different viewpoint of raising my children um, because there's someone else that I can't get along with or we don't share the same viewpoint. When a woman, a mother, oh my God, when a mother can really profit from her own wisdom, it just impacts the way she shows up. Can, can I um, challenge a, a, a bit of your language? Yes. Um, because you said you wanted to leave a legacy. And I say we, we it's time for us to live our legacies. And that's exactly what you're doing. You're not leaving a legacy. You're living a legacy because you are living the wisdom. You are living the new patterns. And for me, it's about not putting things away from us anymore and go, well, this is for future generations. It's like, no, 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 no. Whatever we are living, the frequency that we are living on is the legacy. And it happens in the moment. It, and it comes back to your sense of self-responsibility, which is exactly how this conversation started. You are the embodiment of living a legacy, not leaving a legacy. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah. Yes. So beautiful. I struggled with motherhood. I, I, I will confess, I never felt, I was never planning on being a mother, first of all. Um, I never felt that I was the typical mother or what a mother should look like, should sound like, should feel like. I didn't feel maternal. I never went goo-goo-gaga over babies. Um, and I used my business for a long time as an escape from being a mother. Um, and it took me a long time to come to terms with that as well and to forgive myself you know I I had suicidal depression when my kids were babies and I still play out in my mind the times when I was not in charge of myself and the expressions on my kids faces um, there was there was an instance and I'm probably oversharing here but when my kids were very very little and something inside of me snapped and, and I remember, I can't remember what happened, but I remembered screaming. And my oldest, who was probably about three and a half at the time, taking his baby brother's hand and go, come brother, mommy is just a bit crazy at the moment. And he just very gently removed him from the room. And that was huge for me. That was such a, that was a huge moment in understanding that I had to choose to be a mother motherhood didn't come easily for me and as I hear you talk about intentional motherhood and being the mother do you feel that there is oh let's go a little airy fairy here there is a mother consciousness that we get to tap into as women and being the mother not just having children but do you believe that there is a consciousness that women can start sensing into and it's part of being intentional right about being intentional in motherhood can you speak into that for us a little bit absolutely and first thank you for sharing your story and thank you for sharing you know what your um children observed and also like 
we're not we're not designed to be perfect, right? We're not we're not supposed to be or um, we're not striving for perfection. So I I truly believe that our children, they get to experience all of who we are and what we're going through and what we're facing. And the beautiful blessing is when they get to see and watch the evolution. So they may see us screaming and they may see us, you know, like being not our best, higher version of ourselves. And they also get to see how we are embracing that part of us and what we're doing to develop ourselves and better ourselves. And I think that's the missing piece that a lot of moms struggle with. It's like, I don't want my kids to see me in this way. So you hide and you suffer or you set up. It's almost this unapologetic, not an unapologetic. It's a cloak or a mask or a facade that my kids can't see this. But then that sets them up. It's a disservice because now they're being brainwashed to see that, oh, mom never had a bad day. And when I get to have a bad day, I want to be like my mom. My mom never had a bad day. So I just want to just put that out there. And to also go right into your question around the consciousness. So chapter two in my book is it's not about age. It's about identity. And I will also throw in there, because I've been speaking about this too, it's not about biology, it's about identity. So being a mother doesn't mean that you have to physically birth a mother. And I talk about in my book, the women who who came into my life, who were mothers, they didn't birth me, but they stepped into that motherhood role, that identity of a mom by maybe showing me um, you know, a certain path by welcoming me, like my stepmother, one of my dad's former girlfriends, um, some, you know, one of my aunts, they, there were women who didn't have any biological connection to me whatsoever that stepped into the role of motherhood. Being a mother is about that nurturing aspect of identity. So yes, I do believe it's, it's a level of consciousness. Um, an awareness that comes into being intentional as a mom. I love how you talk about it's not about us being perfect in front of our children. And and one of the things that I've come to understand is that if we start tapping into the frequency of truth versus the frequency of lies, when we are hiding these things from, from our kids and stuff, we actually set a frequency of lies in the household and then wondering why kids lie. Well, because we're teaching them how to lie, not coming from a, it's not even a conscious decision that most people are making or an aware decision that most people are making. We can't tell little white lies and think it's okay because you're either vibrating on truth or you're vibrating on lies and being okay with the truth. And sometimes the truth is messy and it's nasty and it doesn't smell good. And it's okay. We, we're having a human experience. Um, and quite frankly, if, if you never, excuse the French, if you never take a shit, you're constipated, right? So it has to come out sometimes and it has to be smelly and messy and uncomfortable and a little embarrassing and it's all good. I think you've just given moms such a huge permission slip, quite frankly, um, to be okay in the mess. And thank you for that. 
you know, thank you for that. I don't yes. think that we give that enough to mothers today. Um, there's such a high standard that's being held, especially at the moment when so many mothers are being encouraged to start up their own businesses and to, to leave corporate. And I'm going to say respectfully, it's not as easy as what people are told it is. I agree with you. I agree with you. More time with your kids is not always realistic. I had to work way more hours starting my own businesses than in corporate. Yes, you get to do it at weird times when the kids are sleeping. But I remember my first business, my second business, which was in recruitment when I had my babies. I had to get up at two o'clock in the morning to get work done before they got up at six. It's not pretty. How do you bring the, the mother persona into the business world for yourself and with your clients as well? Mm, okay, love it, love it, love it. Okay, so, so juicy, juicy, juicy questions. So um, it's everything because it is an identity, right? So when I am in my business, I am showing up as that caring, as that nurturing mom. My success goals, I think before we started recording, we talked about like redefining success. So for me, when it comes to my business, I have goals that are not just the tangible metric goals for the business, but I have those goals for myself as well, daily. Okay, daily, daily, like, what are you doing for yourself today? Before I start my day, I have to kind of like get into my own space. I have tons of journals, tons of journals that I am in constant conversation and dialogue with, with myself um, in terms of examining my thoughts, my feelings. Ooh, how did I feel after I had that conversation? Ooh, I didn't feel like I showed up the way I should have. Ooh, that was great. I felt so strong because guess what? I said, mm -mm, this isn't working for me, you know? So examining the decisions and the thoughts is something that I embody. And because I embody it, it makes it easier for me to demonstrate it for my clients. It makes it easier for me to give them permission. So when they have come from places and content and messaging and pr programming that says, you know, teen no sleep, or you got to go, 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 go. And that hustle of nonstop and you know you you only you know having a a hobby well guess what sometimes you're gonna have a hobby yeah sometimes sometimes you're going to and other times you're going to be in a different state like the business is connected to the cycles and the seasons in nature and I think once we understand that everything that we're doing also has a season and a system and a process. We have to understand if we are in winter, if we're in spring, you know, if we're in summer, which season are we in so that we're not setting ourselves up to fail or to feel like failures, which is not always easy. Hello, speaking from experience. Um, but we have to understand that there are seasons in our lives and our business. And for example, if you're in a season where your health is being challenged like I had experience like that you're, you're not going to be in that same mode 
of go, 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 go. Because what is the, what is the point? What's the point of it if you, if you can't enjoy it in a good physical state? And then the physical part of it influences how you connect with the people that you're reaching out to. It influences how you're servicing them. You know, I, I remember uh, a moment where I was feeling, I wasn't feeling my best, but I was still moving and taking actions. And then I had to realize, I talked to a friend, I was talking to my mom and both of them mentioned the same thing. And I was like, oh, you're right. And let me tell you what it was. I remember there was this day that I had several meetings lined up. And during that day, there were two meetings that canceled. And I was like, yes. <laughs> I know that feeling. It was like, hallelujah. And, <laughs> and my mom and my friend was like, you know, I think you... You've said this a couple of times now that I, I, I think you should sit down and examine what's really happening. And I had to examine what was really happening because if I felt it, I know that others can feel it, you know? Yes. So yeah, that's, that's pretty much my approach to it. Oh, I mean, let's just think about it. When the babies were born and we were exhausted, we were actually at our worst. And that's probably why I got the suicidal depression and why I couldn't cope with the children because I was in a foreign country. I didn't have my mom or friends there. I had no help. It was just me and the kids. And at the end of the day, as the mother, the more vibrant the mother is, the more the mother allows herself to receive support. Uh, one of the ladies said it so beautifully in my unapologetic group a couple of weeks ago. She goes, you know, the, the child gets raised by a village. And when our business is our child, why would we not allow the business to be raised by a village of trusted Ooh. wise women instead of us always trying to do it on our own? And that that's really, good, that's, that's what I know, right? It just really so popped in for me. And I was like, yes. Um, one of the transformations of my business at the moment is I'm done doing it on my own. I'm like, no, I'm not a personal brand. I'm building a dynasty and the dynasty involves a lot of people within it. I'm just the founder. I'm, I'm just the birth mother but I am not the one that's going to raise this baby on my own. I'm not the one that's going to take this baby through life on my own. And this baby is going to live way beyond me. And it is about letting go of that idea that as independent women, we have to each build our little businesses in isolation and not allow ourselves to be supported in such a way that if I'm having a bad day, I can phone my girlfriends and go, I need to drop this ball. Can somebody pick it up for me and be okay with it? That's, that's deep. That's, that's a pow powerful insight. Yeah. I, I do believe yeah. that women are ready to start being interdependent in business. And I do believe that's the next layer of business that needs to start being formed because at the moment we're at the independent business layer, especially amongst women which is great, but you know what, ladies, we're done proving ourselves. We can do this. Now, mm -hmm. what happens when we bring our geniuses together? What do we create then interdependently? Mm, that's good. That's really good. What made you write the book? Well, I was getting a lot of questions asked. <laughs> 
And I, I wanted to put it in a tangible form that could reach more people than my one-on-one -on -one conversations. So when I have, I was having a lot of people in my family ask me questions about my views on parenting. Um, I'm very involved with my family members. Everyone knows that I am team family. So if, if you need guidance, support, help, I'm there. But my clients also had similar questions and I wanted to put it in a tangible form to capture how I felt. I didn't want anybody to tell my own story because it's a different story. It's, it's, it doesn't go with the status quo. It doesn't go with the traditional way of, of how we view motherhood. I talk, I talk about um, the role of the egoful father in my book and I dispel a lot of myths about the men in our lives that are leading from their ego not because they want to but because they don't know how so how do we choose as intentional mothers to show up and navigate we can still play with men that are leading with their ego we don't have to run away we don't have to hide we don't have to bash them uh, we get to learn how to navigate those situations and circumstances. So I write about that in my book. I write about the practical, tangible approaches. Like you just talked about that powerful insight around seeing your business as your baby and having that village raise it. But then also on the flip side for the family, um, you know, I had mentioned this phrasing around your family being a business. So we don't typically tend to see our family as mothers as a business. And when we can take some, you know, of that, that masculine energy and put that into the operational side of the family, knowing that our kids and our partners have different communication languages. So in business, we change it up for our clients so we can change it up for our kids in our family we're going to have to have meetings where we're addressing conflict and operations. We do it in our business so we can do it in our family. So that whole ideology and idea of treating the family as a business, having the space to have meetings of encouragement and appreciation. There's an example I talk about where you have a meeting and the whole purpose of the meeting is for affirmation. You can't talk about the problems in this type of meeting that I am designing and teaching mothers to do. And it's twofold because now you set yourself up and your children to practice experiencing appreciation instead of experiencing we're having a meeting because something's wrong. And then when they get older, they know what it's like to receive it because a lot of the times I work with women, who you give them a compliment and it's like, no, they got to shut it down. No, not me. Oh, this old thing. Uh, or it becomes too overwhelming and they shut it down or they cry or they break out because that amount of affection and appreciation hasn't been experienced. It hasn't been modeled. It hasn't been a consistent practice. But if we can take some of these thoughts and ideas of how we run our business and bring them over to our family. I think it'll just help us to have more effective connection at the end of the day. Where do people get hold of the book? You can get it on amazon.com so, or you can also get it on my website, 
um, at moniquerussell.com. Thank you so much. We could talk for hours and hours. Um, and we selfishly did before we even got on the call. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm very aware of time always for the listeners. Where is the best place for people to connect with you, Monique? Yes. So my websites are clairecommunicationsolutions.com as well as moniquerussell.com. But I always play on LinkedIn each week. So if you are on LinkedIn, connect with me, send me a message, let us know that you heard us on the show. Um, don't hit the follow button, hit the connect button and send me a message um, so that we can connect. I love connecting with people um, and building relationships. Oh, I'm so with you on that. I always say to people, I'm not a sheepdog. Like, don't follow me. Like, I love coffee calls with people and having real human conversations. And I'm so in awe of humanity at the moment. I've met some of the most incredible people. And when we just take a little bit of time to get beyond the platform, beyond the picture on LinkedIn or the tagline and, and just connect with the person's heart on the other side. This world is such an incredible place. We're so blessed to be alive at this time. It really is. What do you take an unapologetic stand for in the world? Um, my stand is, well, my mission, my mission is for women, for moms, so that they can, you know, profit from their own wisdom. And I firmly believe in a woman, a mother, being able to do just that. So especially in the area of um, entrepreneurship, I believe that that's a, an excellent space for a woman's creativity to flourish or to be nurtured or developed. Doesn't matter what it is you want to do. We are all creators. So I take a stand knowing that when a woman is able to experience all of the things that she truly desires and is capable of, her relationships go to exponential heights. And that's my stance. Oh, thank you so much for your time, Monique. I so appreciate you sharing your wisdom, your love, your character. And um, yeah, just your time, you know, at the end of the day, that's the, the non-refundable resource um, that we get to invest every single day. And so I want to just say thank you so much for investing this time with us. And I know that every single woman who's listened to this is going to benefit greatly. And to every single woman who is listening to this, if you don't connect with Monique, what? <laughs> Seriously. Why <laughs> wouldn't you? Is all I'm going to say. Ladies, thank you for your time. Thank you for spending it with us today. And we look forward to the next episode to have another unapologetic conversation. And don't forget, we get to live our legacies unleashed, unlimited, and unafraid. Have an amazing day further. Cheers.